hey, didn't see you there. Uh, what's up? This is uh, Adrian and Paul back at it for another episode of Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with people who root for the cops and people who shoot their shots. I'm Adrian, as I already said, doesn't need to be said again, we'll probably just stop it after that other one part. Goodbye. All right, Adrian, uh, what what was that off top about uh, about cops? About people who root for the cops, notoriously our number one fans. Yeah, no, we do have a lot of bootlickers uh, in the audience. I'm looking at you. <laughs> you know true. who you are. That's why we sell patented Big Facts No Cap boot lollipops. That's a cute idea, actually. That's okay. That's saving that for the Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah, that's like how that guy who came up with cake pops, like apparently, and like sold them to Starbucks or started selling them in Starbucks. He like gets a cut of each one that they sell there. He gets like, a slice every time you buy one. They take off a slice of it and <laughs> give it to that guy. Yeah, he's, that's so unfair. He's just You're... a very fat man. You got it exactly what I was saying. <laughs> oh, I was say I've never ordered one. Now I'm never going to. I mean, if I know they're going to take a slice out of it. No, yeah. So what? What was that about? How does that lead into our theme, the uh, bootlickers? Uh, well, it rhymes with um people who call their shots. But um, I have been having a lot of uh interactions with the bootlickers recently, as you can imagine, being uh. I don't know why I said as you can imagine both of them. Well, one was local, but the other one was actually in the grad student email chain. So that was um, I think I told you about the first instance, which was very luckily uh, lucky to escape Thanksgiving with only one political conversation that lasted a few seconds. And it was about someone at the table being confused about how blue lives matter as a conservative phrase, um, mm. which was like basically everyone else at the table being like, yeah, it kind of fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the grad student email chain where someone was asking about how to beat a uh, speeding ticket uh one dude made sure to respond with uh no actual advice for about uh the legalities or process of trying to beat a speeding ticket uh he instead decided to admonish the uh original poster uh original emailer for using the term pig to describe his police officer uh and so he went on a very whiny and sanctimonious uh rant over email about who are you going to call whenever someone steals your car? These people you're calling pigs? Wait, wait, AJ, uh, I don't think that's the correct voice at all. I really want you to do it in a, <laughs> in a much funnier voice. First, you should be ashamed of yourself for calling police officers pigs. When someone steals your car, are you going to shrug it off and call it redistribution of wealth? Doubtful. Doubtful. Anyways, he goes on and then also says that uh, trying to beat a speeding ticket is a shitty thing to do because you broke the law and now you have to face the punishment. So just an all around. Wait, what? I don't think this person has any friends. Why would yeah. you even bother to make that point to somebody who just got a speeding ticket? Like, what's what's? <laughs> it's the worst type of first time. I tell you, that's it's, 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 it's that simple. So, anyways, yeah, I definitely. I know people who are on the email, like who get these emails, and I still like screenshotted it to like email them direct or to text them directly. Like, look at this fucking annoying person. Uh, and I think my favorite response was from Pierce, uh, who said, uh, he sent me a meme that just said, damn, son, you're only supposed to lick the boot, not make an entire meal out of it. <laughs> so Pierce is definitely, he would be, he wouldn't be a customer for our bootlick and lollipops. He would probably get one, uh, ironically. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Anyway, so that's Adrian's, uh, anti, uh, anti-police roundup. What about you, Paul? Any, uh, cool interactions over the week? 
cool interactions over the week. Are we doing a Paul's? Does Paul have a donkey of the day? Because that guy's my donkey of the day. <laughs> that guy's your donkey of the day. Oh yeah, we do want to steal that from Charlemagne the God. Really, uh, redistribute it. It's it. You know, it's a great segment for radio. And I'm. And it's insane that yeah, if you are Charlemagne the God, that you're not your own donkey of the day every day. Every day, the honorary donkey of the day daily should always be Charlemagne the God. Uh, so Paul, how was your holiday? If you celebrate. Uh, yeah, you know I'm not celebrating till all the indigenous land is returned to the Native Americans. Mm. Except for my house. I get to keep my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Uh, good Thanksgiving. I think we discussed this when we did our Thanksgiving sides and meal rankings, but, um, I feel like more and more it's becoming common for people to do, like, you know, fuck the cranberry sauce in a can we're gonna make our own this year. Do you guys, uh, do you guys have a lot of that this year? We've always done that. I've always, uh, I've always really liked cranberry sauce and my parents, uh, know, like, I mean, I just always like, like, bitter foods like that, so. Yeah. The canned stuff isn't very good. My dad makes pretty good cranberry sauce, so. Nice. A little bit of orange peel in there, a little bit of zestness. Yeah, yeah, we've been on that tip. Uh, although, I thought it was the opposite. I thought, like, some people were, like, the canned stuff is the good stuff, or, like, it's just not the same. Of Well, I think, like, any movement, there's a reactionary side to it as well, that, um. Uh, the people who are like, give me the green bean casserole that's just the classic three ingredients. That's all I want. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, we've talked about it with uh, we've talked about it with various things before. Sometimes you got to keep it simple, stupid. That's true. I think so. I think that's one thing from uh, cooking YouTube being a big part of my sphere is that um, people like doing like, you know, if, if you can make you've got 10 minutes, you can make your own cranberry sauce. You should make your own cranberry sauce. The other weird trend in food YouTube for Thanksgiving videos is um how to make a Thanksgiving dinner in like three hours. And it's like, who is, who is this relevant for? <laughs> who's, who's getting sprung up on like that? Do you not love the idea of somebody who has a goofy situation where they didn't know that they were the one who had to do their family's Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then that somebody calls them up and they're like, everybody's going to get, it's to like, you. Oh yeah, everybody's getting God to your a house. In YouTube hours. videos about this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. There's a million YouTubes about how to spatchcock a Turkey. Yeah, I mean, the idea that the longest part wouldn't be them panickingly going to get a turkey. Mm. That's true, that you have a bunch of ingredients for Thanksgiving dinner, but you didn't know you had to make it until that day. Yeah, you're That's right. Awesome. There is no real situation where making a Thanksgiving dinner in three hours is relevant. You, yeah. If you had all the ingredients, you had more than three hours. Great content, though. Great content. Maybe the person who was originally meant to cook it passed out. They didn't get to do the prep time. <laughs> so they have to show up at their house. So they, you, okay. you show up at okay. the house where every ingredient is, but nothing's been prepped or made. And then you have to... But use... no, because then for me, the thing that's going to be take the longest amount of time is going around and judging their kitchen organization. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And I'm not going to be able to do it in three hours because I'm going to be spending my time drawing like funny mustaches on them with permanent marker <laughs> if they're passed out. So <laughs> either way, it's not getting done. Yeah. I think that's true all right so paul uh uh any uh media roundup or anything um the only thing i really watched was uh that hbo movie king richard pretty good my big critique of it is that there was literally no conflict things started like pretty all right and just kept getting better i will say the worst part of the movie was the kind of like unnecessarily included gangbangers harassing him like plot line that was very clearly like they were like we don't have enough conflict and there maybe if we had some gangbangers who really were upset at will smith that would be interesting 
Didn't uh, Will Smith put on like an accent for the role? Yeah, yeah, he sort of did. He put on like a lispy voice, which is something mm-hmm. I wouldn't know about. Hunched his back a lot, which I guess the real Richard Williams did. He was kind of mm-hmm. a bit of a hunchback. Hunchback at Compton. Hunchback at Compton. That was the original title for the movie, actually. But this time, he ain't gonna die in no church like a bitch. <laughs> that was the tagline. <laughs> so, Paul, calling your shot. Calling my shot. When was the last time you called your shot? Man, never. That takes confidence. That takes suaveness. I, I ain't got that. I'm talking about shooting your shot. I'm talking about calling your shot. No, like, the last time I think I called my shot was playing foosball. When I'd be like, it's going mm-hmm. in. And then get that wrist snap Ooh. from the from the back three flies across the court, goes in the court. Yeah, the foosball court. Where are you playing foosball these days? Mm, but yeah, I'm trying to think, have I like called something and it ended up just happening? Almost certainly. I think I'm very prescient mm, that seems with true. my media seems analysis. True. Uh, oh, with that, I thought you were talking about whenever, like, uh, all the animals seem riled up, uh, because there's, like, a tsunami coming, and Paul's also always really riled up those days, too. Like, he's always, like, looking around, ready to go. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I can feel the humidity. You can feel it in his bones. I can feel it in my bones. How about you, Adrian? Uh, I called my shot last night, because I was playing pool with Phil, and one of the bits that we always do is naming our shots, which, um, is something that I'll try and do with other people, and it's just one of those bits that doesn't land as well if it's not, like, reciprocated um mm. but like my go-to one is always like whenever i know i'm gonna make a shot i'm always like i call this one breakfast in bed we also played darts and i uh, called my shots during that as well and i won darts and i won pool and i did not lose anything that was worth winning that day uh but in terms of calling things correctly uh, i'm pretty good at calling relationships that are gonna break up <laughs> mm. it's, a, it's a weird skill of mine but do you think you're good at calling them, or do you think your negative energy puts a, like a real tension on the relationship and forces them to break up? Well, that's the thing about fortune telling, Paul, is that sometimes you making them happen in a that so raven type way is part of what makes these true. Oh my god, fucking that's so raven! Why did she never just? It was back such a frustrating premise. <laughs> How did she never learn the fundamental issue? What was wrong with her? She was psychic. No, no, no. What was wrong with her ability to realize that she was always going to be the one who caused her premonitions or to just give up the idea that she could undo what she saw in her premonition? Mm -hmm. Because it seemed like it was completely impossible. It seemed like she had a very accurate sense of what was going to happen, except that sometimes her premonition of the future was like oddly zoomed in or framed that she didn't really Mm -hmm, get the full mm -hmm. context. Almost like it was like a TV show. (laughs) Really, you could choose to like kind of leave some stuff out. Yeah, but it was also left out for her because it would be like she thought somebody died, but then it turned out they were just in a play and they were pretending to die or something. And that's true. That's true. Or like she says a phrase, and then whenever we get to that part of the episode, that has a whole new context. Honestly, genius writing. Genius writing. On that show. I don't know how they came up with that stuff. Yeah. Anyways, enough about that. Shot, Colin. Do you have anything else to say? This may be like a short one. Um. How do you feel about um, the Dude Perfect videos, where the concept is completely calling your shot? To me, it's one of those things where I'm mostly just impressed by the behind-the-scenes process of it, of being willing to, like, uh, 
do something that many times to get the like one shot that you need and you still have to be like on person like on brand and personable when you finally get to the point where you actually do it correctly that might be the lamest thing i've ever heard it's not the sweet ass like they're throwing a basketball from 10 stories up into a hoop that's not what gets you it's uh it's the production elements it's the lighting yeah i mean anybody could throw a basketball 10,000 times and eventually get like a basket jesus christ adrian yeah i don't I think what's cool about it to me is how cool it looks. Mm, like the lighting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is like a impulse that I kind of do get. Like, I remember as a child, we would just sit there. Like, we'd mark off, like, how far half court was on our, like, local mm-hmm. basketball hoop. And then all try to make half court shots for, like, an hour. So I think the ultimate version of calling your shot would probably be, like, a Rube Goldberg machine, right? Oh, damn. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So why was why was he so impolite to people, this Goldberg figure? That they call his machines the real <laughs> Goldberg. <laughs> well, it's because he was always impatient because he was always working on a big project and people would be up like trying to talk to him and be like, I'm trying to get this done. Can you see that how much work I'm putting into this thing? Ah, that's rude Goldberg right there for you. <laughs> that's rude Goldberg over there. That's pretty good. Alright, how are you feeling about getting into these columns? Yeah, let's get into a little columnaruno. All right, Adrian, I got an article for you today from the Brunswick News. And this one is by a person called Robert Wallace. And I'll just, uh, he's a doctor. So I'll just uh, jump into it. He's a syndicated advice columnist for the Brunswick News. Dear Dr. Wallace, a girl wrote to you that her future mother-in-law, who was at the time happily married, visited a fortune teller and her marriage soon ended in a horrible divorce. Many people in our town have said that fortune tellers don't have any psychic powers, and that in this case, the teller was only out to earn a little spending money. Please allow me to explain about those who can predict the future. I should know, because I'm a psychic. Fortune tellers and psychics who predict the future are only telling people what could possibly happen, but that person has the power to change their future. In this woman's case, her marriage ended in a horrible divorce because she didn't take the precautions to change her future. Some people put down fortune tellers and psychics as if they are people who cheat people out of their money because they are afraid to look into the future. That is what we call human nature. Signed, Proud Psychic. Hmm. Seems like I was uh, kind of prescient in my bringing up that so raven. Ooh. Yeah. Psychics, the the ultimate shot callers. Ooh, absolutely. Yeah. How do you feel about this uh, description? How do you feel about what they're saying? I'm not going to lie to you. I, it sounds like somebody's a little bit, uh, sounds like somebody is a little bit salty that they're getting called out. Also, I mean, how do you feel about they're only telling people what could possibly happen? It's like, isn't that any, at that point, isn't that just any narrative? Yeah, that's just having a good imagination. Um, yeah, no, that's one of those things where it kind of, uh, feels to me like if that's your description of how this works, then you're just, you're basically saying that it, it's nothing. How do you feel about that episode of Avatar The Last Airbender where Sokka's Oof. upset about the fortune teller? It's a great episode. It's a great, a great episode. episode. But is it a great episode um, because you agree with Sokka or do you agree with the literal fucking Avatar who believes in the fortune telling? Or do you agree with bitch ass Sokka? um isn't it at the end of the episode that Sokka saves the village right but like it's 
it's kind of like at the end of like a Christmas episode where like one of the kids believes in Santa and then like you see Santa like at the end of the episode like in his sleigh like ho ho hoing after like everyone tells him that Santa's not real. Like doesn't the episode end with like a slight vindication for the fortune teller? Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Because it, I think uh, it's one of those interesting things where as a kid that episode probably resonated with a whole cohort of rationally minded kids where just like the part where he's talking to the guy about like why he wears the same shoes every day. And he was because like the fortune teller said I would meet the woman of my dreams while I wore these shoes. And he's like, well, if you wore them every day, of course you are. <laughs> like, that's just how that works. <laughs> and he's like, ah, so it's going to happen. I'll see you later. <laughs> and he like just strolls along. <laughs> Man, that show is such a good show. I mean, I think the episode ends with he saved the town. And then the fortune teller is like, well, I said nothing bad would happen. And the town was saved. So nothing bad happened. Mm. That's kind of like how they end up reconciling. It, but also it's but here's a world where magic exists, so maybe, like, she is a fortune teller. <laughs> here's what I'll say, though, is at least she does the really cool kind, where she does, like, the stuff with the bones in the fire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's way cooler than being, like, a psychic that, like, I don't know what kind of psychic this person is. They sound like the annoying kind. He's just, like, a Westerner who, like, I don't know, like, thinks real hard and comes up with stuff, doesn't even use an orb or anything cool like that. Well, that's but... what I was gonna say. If they have, like... If they don't have doors in their house, but they have a bunch of, like, beads instead, and everything's painted mm. purple, and it's always smoky in their house, and they do have an orb, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that person could tell me something interesting. I mean, it's not going to be the future, but it'll be kind of cool to hear them out. tell you something interesting. <laughs> How about the specific instance of the girl who wrote in about her future mother-in-law, who got a horrible divorce after being happily married and that a psychic told her that she was going to get a divorce. Is that implied or do they say it outright? I feel like they didn't say that outright. I guess you're right. It is implied. Uh, yeah. Cause all it says is just saying a correlation between she went to see a fortune teller and then she got divorced uh, shortly afterwards. So could have been that she was cheating on her husband with the fortune teller. Ooh. Now that's a gig right there. A gigolo fortune teller. I mean, I think that's cooler than throwing bones in a fire to tell the future. To fuck the future out of someone. How do you feel, how do you feel about people who say things like, um, if there was actually any kind of like real psychic person, they would just win the lottery instead of having a practice? The actual argument against the existence of psychics is like, through what mechanism? Nah, that's stupid. I mean, if, you, if you'd say something really specific like that, right, their argument's just gonna be, well, it doesn't work like that. We see more like vibes or, you know, they'll just say some... Like, that's a pretty easy thing to wiggle out of, but, like, through what mechanism or can you, like, actually show me any amount of proof that you're a psychic is way more like, oh, yeah, no, there's no way to wiggle out of that. There's clearly not fucking psychics. What if, like, you, you were, like, getting up front and, like, with a person who was a psychic and was like, like, just give me any kind of proof that you're a psychic. And they're like, well, I don't know you, but I can tell that you's a bitch. Would you be like, oh, okay. I would have been like, that's I, true. I would be like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> this person knows me. This person is on point. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That would be, uh, that would be spooky. Mm. And what if you, Adrian, were going to a psychic and you were like, just give me any proof that you're a psychic. And they were like, I don't know you, but you's an even bigger bitch than Paul. <laughs> and I'd be like, how do you know Paul? <laughs> you must be psychic. Any other angles on this? You ever met a person who claimed to be psychic? No, I don't think I've ever met anybody who claims to be psychic. I've met people who have stories about, like, can you believe it? She said this, and a week later it happened. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. My mom tells a lot of stories like that about, like, things, like, with family. <laughs> Someone in this market was talked to me. They were like, your youngest child's gonna be a big old bitch. <laughs> a week later it happened. <laughs> she calls you up. <laughs> 
No, no, no. Oh, no, I think I've mentioned this before on pod. I usually bring it up whenever we talk about this kind of stuff. But I have met like an opposite person where it was a researcher, a sociologist who studies people who believe in the paranormal and stuff. And so one of the stories he told to our class one time was about how uh, how easy it is to implant memories into people. And so he was talking about how with his own daughter, he made up a story about her accidentally setting off a mousetrap in their uh, garage and like it like hurting her hand. And he kept talking about how like when she insisted that it didn't happen, he would just keep telling the story and adding more details. Uh, and eventually, like she brought it up on her own about it happening one time in front of someone else. Um, and he immediately and... jumped into the conversation with like, you dumb bitch. <laughs> I was about cunt. to say, like, I thought, like, I like, I don't like. It's a fun, it's a fun story for your class, but it feels kind of weird to be like. By the way, I experiment on my daughter with little things like that because it's funny to me. Yeah, no, that seems like legitimate gaslighting. That seems like it, it's gonna harm her ability to tell like truth from not truth. Yeah, in the he's fucking up his daughter. Yeah, that's that's horrible. I'm surprised you haven't met more like quirky women who say that they are psychic in some kind of way. It would be so cool to meet a that's so Raven style psychic. Yeah, like someone who gets stopped in their tracks mid-sentence to have a vision. <laughs> it would be pretty funny if, if a person did that. And it's like you can see when they're describing it to you, you can see the wavy lines that are like yeah. dissolve into the other uh, into the other scene. They're just mid-sentence like hanging out with you at a coffee shop and they're just like, yeah, I was thinking about getting the macchiato, but then I just had to... <gasps> Paul, <laughs> I just had a vision that you were going to be a big old bitch <laughs> How can we stop it? <laughs> Adrian, right there is where you've proven how the mental trickery of this works. Because everybody already knows I'm going to be a big old bitch. So when a psychic <laughs> says that, clearly they're just playing on common tropes and playing the statistics and number games to their advantage. Mm, so that it looks true. like they know the future. This is where we can all learn a lesson. All right, you want to get into this answer? Dear Proud Psychic, I don't doubt your sincerity, but I find it difficult to believe that anyone can accurately predict the future, unless randomly by chance, on occasion. Or unless their name is Nate Silver. <laughs> if a fortune teller can see into the future that a married woman would suffer a horrible divorce, why can't she accurately predict the forthcoming natural disasters? If that were true, we should be able to evacuate those in harm's way, thus saving many precious lives when we face tornadoes and severe earthquakes, for example. And the question I most often receive in this vein is, if they can predict the future, why don't they win every lotto or casino bet in states that provide legal gambling? Ooh. If any human being has the true power to predict the future, no casino could remain in existence too long. So, I feel a little bit psychic right now. Wait, do you consider it psychic then to predict the end of a like TV show? Because, I mean, I feel like we're playing off tropes here. I don't know if you're... Uh... You don't think that I actually predicted what he was going to say in his answer? I mean, I think you did, but that's because I believe in your psychic abilities. I mean, you kept getting that whole Paul's a mm. bitch thing, right? So I was... I was... That's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> I feel like that's one of those things where you have to like, cut all of that or leave all of it. <laughs> Um, actually, that's a really good uh, point, though. Uh, this is uh, something that used to happen with my brother all the time, where not only was he a decade older than me, but he was really interested in film and went to college for it. Um, so, like, I would watch, like, TV shows with him, and he would always predict what the ending was going to be, like, whether or not it was a true crime thing or whether it was, like, a just a drama story or whatever of, like, oh, this is what's going to happen next or whatever. He was always really good at predicting tropes. That was definitely what he was doing. I was just young and thought, like, oh, he seems to know everything. All right, let's get into my article for this week. Um, 
I don't know which one's going to be funnier, so we might try both, but who knows. Uh, this is Ask Iwa. And so this is Iwa Mataya Lawrence. She is one of the most visible superstars in the history of pocket billiards. Known as the striking Viking, she took the billiard world by storm since she moved to the U.S. from her native Sweden. Following her childhood dream of becoming the best in the world, she continues to be a dominant presence on the international billiard scene. Iwa is the current international and World Cup trick shot champion, the holder of multiple world and U.S. Open 9 ball titles, and has also won the Swedish, European, and U.S. national championships in her incredible career. A former number one ranked player in the world, Iwa has received Player of the Year honors, been named the WPBA Sportsperson of the Year, and in 2004 was inducted into the prestigious Billiard Congress of America Hall of Fame. So, uh, Paul, she's got the credentials. Ooh-wee. And here is the question. Pose to the Striking Viking. Pretty good nickname, by the way. <laughs> What's the best way to get in the best condition a week before an important tournament? For example, how many hours and how many times do you play each day alone, playing games or just practicing some shots, or with other players, etc.? P.S. Your pool lessons are the best that I've ever watched on YouTube. Thank you very much. I've learned so much from them. Your way to explain the game is really great. Please keep on doing this. Congratulations from an amateur player from Bulgaria. Demo. How should you prepare for a big game of billiards? Famously in professional billiards, and this is one of those things that you can, um, if you're like playing pool at a bar, you can whip it out as your like annoying thing. But um, technically, you're supposed to call every ball that you make in the same way that people do with an eight ball whenever they play casually. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, the entire game is shot calling. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, rest your little handsies. You don't want to get those fingers cramped up or anything the day before. Uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not a lot of typing, right? Don't do a lot of typing. Don't do a lot of sewing. Yeah, don't do a lot of typing, sewing. Um, don't do your little like miniature shipbuilding inside of a bottle. Uh, put away don't, that hobby uh, for later. Don't do that sick guitar solo that you've been practicing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Don't play any great songs um, and then have to do an air guitar solo. Um. Don't do that thing that people do when they're really bored sometimes where they like peel the skin off a grape really delicately. I didn't know that was a thing a lot of people did. It's something I did. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> See, it resonates. Um, I didn't know that was a common one. Um, I knew the meme about doing surgery on a grape. Yeah. So um, avoid all of those sorts of tasks. Uh, but I mean, if you got a finger bang a girl, you got a finger bang a girl. <laughs> I mean, that's always been Paul's motto, though. <laughs> hey, some things are worse than injury, right? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Paul would so be one of those like boxers in the 50s where his coach is like, hey, no sex before the big game. And he's like, I'm sorry, coach. Some things are more important than boxing <laughs> with like two girls on each arm heading <laughs> back out of the ring. <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, contemplate the physics of crashing particles. Do you have any tips? I don't know what to do. <laughs> that's, that's really good advice. Um, I would say you probably shouldn't play like the day before. It's kind of like how people tell you not to study the day before a test, like do all your studying in like the week before and then take the day off before. Oh, really? I would say don't study the day of a test, but the day before seems like a good time to study. How early are you? I Sometimes the day before a test, I don't even know I have a test yet. This is very limiting advice for people like me. Paul, we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're different types of students. This okay. is my advice. Okay. But you should play the uh, game on your iPad where you play pool by, like, flinging your finger around. Oh, okay. <laughs> you should definitely do that. 
that way you can practice the, the you know the particle physics you were talking about earlier which uh, i think are very important um and uh you should probably you know shine up your pool stick the day before so that way it's all nice and pretty pick out your outfit because you know the key is confidence believe mm. what you want to do make sure are you, you a like a leather time. jacket pool player or like uh or like a t-shirt keep yourself flexible pool player uh full suit of armor <laughs> okay okay that makes sense that makes sense for protection in case the other pool player comes at you with the weapons that are for some reason handed out to each player it's a madhouse yeah are you kidding me what are the weirdest sports everybody just gets a stabbing stick everyone gets an eye poker do you want to hear the answer yeah for sure all right great question obviously this is an individual choice most players have a strategy when it comes to preparing for a tournament that works for them I prefer to work on shots, position, safeties, and my break long before the week prior to a major event. The week before, I play less hours, but with intent. I make sure I am very focused and play as if I were in a tournament. Normally, I only spend an hour per day on the table at this point, either playing the ghost or an opponent, as seriously as I would if it were a tournament match. Do whatever works for you, but one week before an event is not a time to work on things. You'll have to accept that you've got the game that you will compete with. Focus on concentration from that point on. I hope that helps. And thanks for the kind words. Glad you liked the videos. She kind of took my answer. Called that one too. That one kind of reminded me. I don't know why I thought of this while I was reading it. It actually had nothing to do with the answer. Do you have any like lucky tokens, Adrian? Like something you take with you for competitions or things like that that bring you luck? Are you like a lucky underwear guy? As a, as a child, I literally at one point was telling my friends about how I wanted to get a lucky item just because I thought it'd be a cool, quirky thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I did not sincerely like believe in any of that, but I was like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make me a more interesting person if I had like a lucky pen or something? <laughs> and did you, you never followed up on it? You, you I never, people, I never committed to it. You told people about your dream to have a lucky item, but. Yeah, yeah. It was the same thing that I said whenever I thought about imaginary friends where I was like, I think it'd be more interesting if I had one, but I just can't, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I imagined a lot of things as a kid, but it was very uh, ethereal. It was things I would imagine in the moment to play and that it would be God. I, I definitely did not have like a reoccurring friendship mm -hmm. with the character. Um. So yeah, no, what about you? No, I didn't. I had a favorite pair of underwear, but I didn't really like, I, when I put it on, I wasn't like, oh, I'm lucky. I was just like, I really like this pattern. I'm getting lucky. <laughs> Hell yeah. Once again, childhood Paul man, stop sexualizing this like <laughs> middle school, elementary school boy. All right, you ready to get into our third segment? So for the third segment today, we're gonna we're gonna call our shots as two common news stories. So we're just gonna present each other uh with a few news stories each, and uh this is really an opportunity. I mean, it, it was kind of like last week when I was making fun of Bitcoin so much and you pointed out that people who didn't follow my advice would objectively have been in a better situation monetarily not following my advice. So, I mean, we, we take a real cocky attitude on this show, but are we actually right? Who knows? We're going to put our uh, money put to the test. Yeah, we're going to put it to the test. Um, a lot of these things might have follow ups by the time this episode's released. So we might have some egg on our face as you're listening to it. Also, speaking of Bitcoin, shout out to uh, Acon for coming out with Acoin. Jesus. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call our shots on some news stories, and um, you know, as these things play out, we'll keep y'all updated in the coming weeks if uh, if we get things right or wrong. All right, Paul, you wanna go first? So I have some list of uh, Grammy awards here. And Fuck, that was mine. <laughs> okay, well maybe we can both take one category each then. 
I was also going to have you just kind of guess some Grammy uh, wins. But uh, yeah, let's just do that together then. Okay, cool. Yeah. Are we just doing the big categories then? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to skip record of the year. I didn't really care for... D- do you want to do record of the year? Uh, what are my options? ABBA with I Still Have Faith in You. Right. John Batiste. Oh, is this the one that has like 11 nominations for some reason? No. Uh, John Batiste with Freedom. Uh, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga with I Get a Kick Out of You. Justin Bieber and Daniel Caesar with Peaches. Brandy Carlisle with Right on Time. Doja Cat and SZA with Kiss Me More. Billie Eilish with Happier Than Ever. Lil Nas X with Montero. Olivia Rodrigo with Driver's License. And Silk Sonic with Leave the Door Open. It's got to be Montero for me. Easy. Oh, well, for you, I think that I'm calling my shot. I, I'm, I'm thinking that this year, Billie Eilish is taking it home. So who do you, okay, who do you think, not personal fave, but who do you think's taking it home? Oh, no, I think it's a little Nas's ex's year, I think. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, I think that's probably my favorite song of those. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, a lot of those I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, same. Album of the Year, We Are by John Batiste, uh, Love for Sale by Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga, Justice by Justin Bieber, Doja Cat, or Planet Her by Doja Cat, mm-hmm. Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish, Back on My Mind by Her, Montero by Lil Nas X, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo, Evermore by Taylor Swift, Donda by Kanye West. Oof, those last two throw a real screwball into it. Uh, well, I don't think Donda has a fucking shot in hell of winning with Kanye's, like, perception right now. I think Evermore. Yeah, it's not a bad guess. Uh, I'm gonna hope for Sour, but uh, I'm probably also gonna guess Evermore, because I do not want that eggy on my face. Oh, you're a, you're an Olivia Rodrigo fan? Interesting, I didn't know that. Well, I'm not a big fan, but someone... Oh, uh, Amelia played it for me when we were B-tagging, and I was like, you know what? I'm enjoying this music. It's good. Okay, best new artist. Aruj Aftab, Jimmy Allen, Baby Keem, Phineas, Glass Animals. How's Glass Animals a new artist? What? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple more that are like that too, like Japanese Breakfast. Yeah, Japanese Breakfast. How are they? The Kid Leroy, Arlo Parks, Olivia Rodrigo, or Sweet Tea? Sweetie? Yeah. Sweet Tea. Sweetie. Can you imagine Paul going to get the Sweetie meal at McDonald's and be like, can I get the sweet tea meal? <laughs> They're like, what the fuck are you talking about, you geezer? Get out of here. <laughs> I, I feel like I knew how to say her name. I just was reading it weird. Um, it's fine. Do you remember the time when I told you about that song by Post Malone featuring Guava from the Migos? <laughs> <laughs> I'd never tried to say Quavo's name out loud and I was like, Guava? <laughs> I also didn't remember it, too, because I just wasn't a big Migos fan. I think that one will also probably go to Olivia Rodrigo. That one seems obvious, right? I, I, I don't know a lot about a lot of these other people, but she's kind of the breakout this year. Oh, this one I'm going to say just because one of these people I hate so much. Best Dancer Electronic Album. Subconsciously by Black Coffee. Fallen Embers by Illinium. Music is the Weapon by Major Lazer. Shockwave by Marshmallow. Free Love by Sylvan Esso. Or Judgment by Ten City. I feel like if it goes to Marshmallow, that is, oh my god, just like, fucking, Marshmallow is the cringiest, I don't know, he's the cringiest to do it, man. Call your shot, Who who's gonna take it? 
I can't even remember who you said, to be honest. Um, I'm going to say Free Love by Sylvanesso. Not because I know them, but because my roommate said, oh, it's probably going to go to Marshmallow and not somebody more deserving like Sylvanesso or Major Laser. Oh, I'm calling my shot. Uh, Marshmallow. Oh, okay. Okay, best alternative album. Shore by Fleet Foxes. If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power by Halsey. Jubilee by Japanese... Is Halsey alternative? I guess according to the Grammys. Jubilee by Japanese Breakfast. And don't pick this one just because it's the name of your favorite YouTube channel, Adrian. Collapsed in Sunbeams by Arlo Park and Daddy's Home by St. Vincent. I didn't listen to it, but I love the name Daddy's Home, so I'm going to say that one. Let's both lock in our answer right there. <laughs> Best rap song. Bath Salts with, uh, by DMX featuring Jay-Z and Nas. Best Friend by Sawiti featuring Doja Cat. Um, Family Ties by Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar, Jail by Kanye West and Jay-Z, and My Life by J. Cole, 21 Savage, and Moray. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, damn, I thought Tyler got a Grammy nod on one of these. I mean, it might go to Bath Salts just because of DMX. Uh, I'm going to do Best Friend. I'm going to do Sweetie and Doja Cat. That's a good song. Okay, yeah, that is a good song. I just thought it was the type of thing that didn't feel like enough... Why am I thinking that the Grammys is going to care whether it's like a rapidy rap song? <laughs> um, best Rap Album, The Off Season by J. Cole, Certified Lover Boy by Drake, King's Disease 2 by Nas, Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler the Creator, and Donda by Kanye West. I really want it to be Tyler. I think it's probably going to be King's Disease 2. J. Cole's also a big name. I feel like they could just give him yeah, the nod. Yeah, but that song sucks, though. <laughs> or that album sucks, though. <laughs> it does suck, but the Grammys don't care. Same with, like, Certified Lover Boy. Like, I don't think it should be that in any reasonable way. But, like, the Grammys, they just kind of pull shit, man. <laughs> mm. But I think it might honestly be J. Cole. You want to do any more, or is that good for uh I think that's good. That yeah, we can call our... We've called our shots on that one. All right, Paul. Uh, so... As a nod to our favorite boy, Adam, and his favorite soccer team, Manchester United, famously uh, just sacked their manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and has replaced him officially with Ralph Rangnick, the German. Uh, He's going to be their interim manager for the rest of the season, and he will take a director position for the two years afterwards, in which they uh, will use this time to find an actual permanent replacement. But how do you think this struggling Manchester United side is going to end the season with Ralph Ragnick at the helm. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you for bringing this in. This is something I wanted to touch on anyway. So this is a... I have a lot of thoughts. So Manchester United, famously a, uh, you know, famously, you know, a English team. Um, famously. That's what they're known for. <laughs> from the Manchester... Of course, obviously, from the Manchester... Uh, um, they're, they're, you know, a club is what they call them over there. I'm just, you know, I'm just winding up to tell you about uh, of course, about of what's going to happen. I'm just going to call my shot on this one. Uh, so, you know, a club um, from, uh, they play the beautiful game, as they call it, out there on the British Isles, where that team is famously located. <laughs> also, the way they play football, not beautiful. <laughs> the, the beautiful game. The beautiful game. Um, yeah, um, not the same as the other Manchester team. Um, a common mistake for people who don't know a lot about. Of course, of course. <laughs> for people, what is it? Manchester FC. Of course, I already know Manchester that. Manchester City. That's yeah. what I meant. Manchester City. These are they're different. 
Um, this is Manchester United. So I think, uh, Red Devils. I think without him at the helm, honestly, a lot of people were giving him a hard time saying that, like, no, he's, he just got hired as the new coach. I, that's what I meant. Uh, (laughs) with him at the helm, I think there, this is a new era. Like, I mean, they've been a winning team. Everybody knows that they've been a great winning team for a long time. Um, He's been very bad for a while. <laughs> well, historically, that's what I meant. They historically okay, they were a great yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Then they've been going mm-hmm. through a bad moment in their recent. That's past. true. That's true. And uh, with this gentleman, um, remind me his name. You know, I'm bad with names. Uh, uh, Ralph. Yeah, Ralph. Of course. Tip of my tongue. Tip of my tongue. It was right there. Uh, with him at the helm, I think this is a new era. They're gonna they're gonna regain their form of glory, and it's it's up from here, baby. This is this is their Ted Lasso, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so assuming he gets his work visa in time, he will be available for their next game against Arsenal. Do you want to give an actual prediction for the score? Yeah, no, of course. It's going to be 2-1. Win or loss? Win. <laughs> that's actually not a bad, that's not a bad prediction. And uh, who's scoring, who's scoring that first goal? When What's what's the minute mark? Oh, I think uh, the person scoring the first goal is going to be one of their forwards. You know, one of their strikers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you know, uh. What's his name? It's like a Lawrence or Tim or Martin or John or Alex or it's somehow so ben. far from any of the names. <laughs> or Lorenzo or Ryan or Adrian or That's well, probably true. Well, it's on the tip of my tongue. I know I haven't got a hit yet, but what's his name? Um Maybe Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano, maybe? that's yeah, that's who I meant. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, mm-hmm. Is he really still playing? I, I feel like I knew his name when I was a kid. I mean, of course he's still playing. That's what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> I like how this isn't the uh, calling your shot segment. This is the uh, pretend you know what you're talking about <laughs> segment. What are you talking about? You're talking about you're talking about Manchester United, my favorite team. Saying I don't know what I'm talking about. Me and the rest of the Gooners are coming for you, Adrian. If you don't stop talking like this, and the Gooners, <laughs> uh, which team is the fans? Are the Gooners? The Gunners are the uh, Arsenal fans. I are think. They are. Uh, that's what I, I I knew that. Um, <laughs> I can't get out of that one. I don't think. <laughs> oh, also, how far do you think uh, Man U is going to make it in the Champions League? Just a uh, like round of sixteen, semifinal, final. Uh, I, you know, sadly, I think uh, they're they're only gonna they're gonna make it out of the round of sixteen, but they're knocked out in the eight. Okay, not a bad guess. But you know, I hate to say it because Manchester for life. I thought you know. They're top of their group right now with one game left to play. All right, what do you got for me, Paul? Amazon must redo the Bessemer Union. Hey, I almost thought about bringing that one, too. Yeah, the Bessemer Union elections orders NLRB. Call your shot, Adrian. I don't think the vote's going to go through on a second time, too, to be honest. Yeah. But because I know the Amazon Union, I know the workers. I've been down there, boots on the ground, talking to them every day. Every time I go to the bathroom, I make sure to take down the posters or whatever that uh, tell you about how you could buy an Xbox instead of doing union dues. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've been on, I've been on there working. As, like, like Paul with Manchester United, I'm an expert on this matter. Uh, I have read like about a fourth of Jane McAlevey's book about organizing for power <laughs> in the history of unions. So, so uh, about as knowledgeable as a person can get. <laughs> <laughs> um, no shortcuts. Uh, that's the book. Um and so that is why I think that um, it will probably not go through upon a second attempt, to be honest. Well, they lost so bad the first time. It's like, even if Amazon yeah. was cheating, it's like, damn, like, how much does cheating get you? Yeah. Yeah, it was a real disappointment that day. I think we're just going to relive that. 
Um, all right, Paul, call your shot. How bad is this new variant going to be? The Omicron fav- variant? Yeah. It's got a scary name, so completely based off that and nothing else, I'm going real bad. This is going to be the worst one. Okay, so I'm going to do the same thing I did do last time, which is I want you to give like a very specific prediction that we can really like look at later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to Guatemala in February. My family is going to Europe in May. Are both of those things happening? February, no. May, yes. Okay. All right, Adrian. My final thing that I want you to call your shot on is where media is going to go in the future in general. And this one's pretty open-ended. But Mm. China's biggest blockbuster of all time, the battle at Lake Shangjin, is a movie about a battle that America lost in the Korean War. Oh, yeah, yeah. How do you foresee America's media and entertainment dominance in the future? Do you think we're going to be watching more Chinese movies? Do you think this is a novelty Wait, has the movie been exported yet, or is it just big in China? It's just big in China. Um, you know what this reminds me is I was actually going to bring this up off pod, but might as well do it now. I think the future of cinema is Bollywood. Mm. And I was telling my mom about that movie that we watched together, and she was asking for the name of it because she wants to watch it when I told her how great it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think my parents would unironically enjoy it. <laughs> really? Oh my god, that movie was so long. Um, what was it called? Yeah. They got nothing but time. <laughs> Watched is also a strong word for what we did. I don't know. Would you say you haven't watched all of Walking Dead? (laughs) So, for the audience's sake, when something I like the action in a movie or piece of media and and hate the dialogue, I will fast-forward watch it. Which is something I do very rarely, but it's something I did for The Walking Dead, which was just... On Netflix, you know, you always get that little, like, bumper at the bottom that tells you kind of, like, what's going on in the scene. I would just move the bumper forward until there was a scene with like zombies and fighting and violence and watch that scene. So I turned every episode into like a 15 minute. Paul's literally like Trump watching Bloodsport <laughs> is his favorite movie. <laughs> I, I, Walking Dead, man, the, the, the talking and the drama sucks so bad, but like the parts where they're like escaping from zombies is legitimately like exciting. And we did the same with a Bollywood movie where we just, it was like a Bollywood uh, sort of like uh, Jet Li style, like, uh kung fu flick and it was really good yeah the fighting was all really awesome and we just kind of watched dude, the there movie. was some really awesome fights in that movie yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna lie dude where he kicks the dude's leg and then like a couple seconds later it shows that it just straight up splits it half <laughs> it was so fucking hard yeah 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 there were some awesome scenes um yeah. we'll put the name of it in the description because i'm not gonna find it real quick right now so yeah also a weird like false ending with 30 minutes left in the movie which was uh yeah i don't know it was yeah it was brazy it was crazy also just a lot of like really i mean everybody knows about bollywood dance scenes but the 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 crazy part about these like music videos was the parts where it was like it would become like a more like a garnier commercial for a little while like a woman like (laughs) it was always raining that was part of the thing right but there there was that one scene on the beach where it was like just like a hair commercial. Like it was a lady on a oh, beach yeah. just kind of like laid out and like flipping her hair. And that was just kind of what was going on for a while. All right. I like I like uh Called your shot, Adrian. Uh, Bollywood, the future of film. I think so. All right, cool. Did we learn anything today? Big fact. Big facts, no cap. Going to the moon. Number one, baby. Biggest podcast in the world. One month from today. Calling my shot. All right, Adrian, it's been a fun one. All right, bruh.